morning's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, may peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, church, and hello to those online and those that will watch us later. Hello to you as well. well we are in a sermon series, Woo, yay! and uh, at least some of you are excited about that. I know the rest of you were just really contemplative inside. You were in the spirit, and so you were rejoicing inside, weren't you? Uh, as we're here today, we're in a sermon series, and we'll be talking about uh, starting a series, that is, the last week, where we are talking about those different words that we often use during the Advent season. And in fact, uh, every time we light a candle, there's a, a word that we sort of focus on and just remember there as our families and people who light those do that. Uh, and it's always fun to just sit, some, sit back sometimes and to remember some of these words and reflect on them in a, a deeper way maybe than sometimes we get to. So of course, last week we talked about hope. This week, dun dun dun, spoiler alert, we're talking about peace if you didn't get, get that earlier in this service. Uh, let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth the meditation of all of our hearts. Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, peace, it is a word that we often search for, a word that we often want, a word that is often promised and very seldom given or received or lived into. I love these words of Jesus, though, because Jesus says on the night in which he's betrayed, peace, I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Now, of course, as you think of the word peace, probably many things come to mind. And of course, as you think about how we use that word peace, we use it in so many different ways, right? So, you know, just for instance, uh, the most common way maybe is when, you know, Miss America says, when they ask her, you know, what she, her dream is, she says, you know, I pray for world peace, right? World peace. And what we mean by that primarily, I think mostly is not only just the world gets along, but really the idea that war would end. And we literally mean peace, as in peace signs, as in no war, as in lay down the arms, peace away from a time of struggle. Of course, not only that, we mean peace. And so what we mean by that is uh, I had the experience this week of uh, our daycare had to shut down. And so I had the kids at home this week. So it was a little crazy week. Sorry for any of those people. I, would, I tried my best to make sure I covered all my bases, but I just, I couldn't keep up with my email. So if I haven't gotten to you, I'm getting there. Your pastor apologizes. I'm doing my best. And uh, hopefully this week we'll get back on track there. But uh, I had the experience that um, my, uh, my father and my, my stepmom decided to give a present to my kids. And so they sent us a package and opened up the package and it was all fun. And, and uh, my, my dad and, and my stepmom are super into music. They're, they love music. And in fact, my stepmom is a, is a great organist and has done stuff all around the world with it and things like that. And so uh, they, for Thanksgiving, we got to go back and visit with them. They saw how my kids really like music. They love to sing and do all these different things. And so they thought, oh, we'll get them the greatest gift ever. And so we got like a kid's calypso drum, <laughs> two of them, right? And, and you know where this is going, right? I mean, they have mallets, right? Like, and it's like this round dome thing. And it sounds really pretty when you play it nice and, you know, when you ding, 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 right? But when the four-year-olds get a hold of it, and then the second problem was we had just started watching the Muppets in the car. And there's a character named Animal. And if you've seen the most recent movie, 
Animal likes to play drums, right? And he's and he's actually the whole the whole one of the whole premises is the fact that Animal's not allowed to play drums because he has a court order. And eventually, by the end, he starts playing drums, and he's been just you know, held up for so long to play drums that he just goes nuts. So my kids go, whoa, drums, sweet. And so the first thing they do is, you know, they're dressed up in their buzz gear, light year gear and all that stuff. And they just start wailing away, right? Bang, bang, bang. And I got a, a funny, funny video of that that I maybe I'll share with you all sometime. But uh, in that moment, peace meant quiet, right? Because I was searching for some peace and I sent the video to my uh, stepmom and she said, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a good time with that this week and so that was a fun thing but the kids do love their drums and we'll see maybe we get some drummer maybe you know maybe we can work them into the choir someday or something you know I don't know something but of course peace is in that quietness that sometimes we yearn for peace as in getting along right and harmony in the sense of you know when especially when siblings argue and argue with each other and and go back and forth and that idea of as a parent when you're when your kids just get along what a blessing that is, right? And, and especially, uh, you know, I'm just learning that because, of course, with twins, we've had that all along where there's times they don't get along when they take each other's toy. But now we're in, like, the fist fight stage where literally, like, before it would be, like, one hit and they'd cry. I mean, they literally go, like, six rounds now, right, with the fist fight thing. And by, you know, by the fifth hit, when you finally catch it, it's just too late. They're both crying, but they're both still hitting each other, and you don't even know how to stop it at that point. You know, how, how great peace is when people just get along. There's peace, like sometimes promised, especially uh, by I think Hollywood and some of those people on the the new or their media that is, peace is in that inner peace, that no turmoil, that inner contentment, peace. And of course, maybe one other way that we see it in our world is peace, as in that restfulness, that non-work, that tranquility of Thomas Kincaid with the lovely stone house and the pretty colors and the flowers, you know what I'm talking about, right? And they're like, it's like dark and there's the lantern and I've never seen that in my life, right? As far as it's something looking like that, but I know Thomas Kincaid apparently lives in a place where just magical fairies live. But when you see it, it's just, you can't help but feel, ah, oh, it just looks so serene and nice and peaceful, right? Of course, these are ways that we use peace, but when I think about these words of Jesus, you know, it's interesting because the Hebrew word for peace is a powerful world, word. And in fact, if, if you look at Judaism, even modern day, but even in, in biblically as well, if you think about three huge values that they had, there's, there's three, and they're still kind of still standing today for, for Jewish cultures. And Jesus surely would have grown up and understood these as well very predominantly. And the three were this, is justice, truth, and peace. And the word for peace was, is shalom, if you just say it. You, I know you've heard it before, because if you've ever encountered pretty much anybody who's Jewish, there's always something named shalom. And in fact, shalom is, is this word that means peace, but it means it in a very deep way. And in fact, it's also used in a greeting and farewell. And so when you came, when you see someone, oftentimes you just say shalom. And it was just, may you enter in peace, right? Or as they lead, shalom. And there's different kind of tags that they have with it, but shalom and maybe something. And and it basically means go in peace. And in fact, when I studied Arabic, it's a very close language to uh, 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 Hebrew, that is. And I studied that in my undergrad. And I remember one of the few things I can remember out of the whole thing is ma'asalama, which means go in peace, right? And shalom and salam are that same word, just in a couple different variations in those languages. And this idea of peace was so powerful and, and so used. And the idea of the greeting and going back and forth with peace was so used. Uh, you know, we kind of wonder in Jesus' day what language he was really speaking at any time, given time. 
because Jesus could have speak at any point spoken three different languages. He obviously would speak Hebrew because he was a Hebrew. And so he knew that well in and out and could first with that anytime he wanted. He obviously uh, knew the language of the day, which on the Eastern Empire of the Roman Empire where he was, the language of the day was actually Aramaic. And so it was kind of like Hebrew, but different. And so he oftentimes would speak he, uh, Aramaic. And in fact, we know he did because he refers to God as who? Abba. And that word Abba is Aramaic. And in a, a couple of times in the Gospels, we see specifically Aramaic words Jesus used that they don't even bother translating. When the people translate it into Greek, they didn't even use, they chose not to even translate some of the words and leave them in their, their Aramaic. But of course, he also would have spoken Greek because it was also the language of the day for the, the Western Empire. And of course, with Rome being there and doing different things, Greek was, uh, of course, still being used even in the Roman Empire days from the days of Alexander. And so it's amazing when you think about this, because I often wonder when Jesus says something, which one of the languages did he use? Did he primarily rely on one or did he do either one of the three? And this is one of those instances that I just have to think that when it came to using the word shalom, Jesus used it because it had too much history and too much of a greeting to it, too much of a meaning to it. And in fact, if you look it up, there's uh, we talked about this in word studies, but if you ever look up the words that are used in the Bible before, there's all sorts of words that are used. And the Greek word for this is Irene. And uh, Irene tries to capture a lot of the understanding of the word shalom. It was not, of course, a Hebrew word. It was a Greek word. And, and essentially, Irene has this idea of exactly what we talked about, but, but much more than that as well. Because it also not only deals with no war, or being quiet, or getting along, or inner peace, or restfulness from work, Irene also means kind of this idea. And essentially, the root of the word means this, joining together things. So bringing something to completeness. So if you, for instance, were having a holiday get-together with your family and somebody couldn't make their flight and wasn't there and there was an empty chair at your table, you'd be missing Irene because it was the bringing together, the coming together, the completeness of all things. And of course, you know that when things aren't complete, there's that sense of even though things are great and you're having a great time with your family, you can't help but look at that empty chair and miss the person that that empty chair represents. That's Irene, is joining together all essential parts so that they are together and one. And of course, in the Greek New Testament, Irene is often used of reuniting and reconciliation, which we'll talk about more in just a moment. But when they chose to go back and they looked at the Hebrew Bible, that is the, the Old Testament, that was written in Hebrew, they had to make up a word for shalom because shalom wasn't a Greek word. And so when they translated into Greek, uh, and they did this back in the day, way before even Jesus, and they translated into Greek, they called the Septuagint, so that everybody could you know, read it and understand it in the, in the modern times of their day, they had to choose a word. They chose Irene, because it was the one that best fitted Shalom. And I have to think, in this moment, when Jesus was there, he was talking Greek, he would have probably used Irene, but he probably was talking Hebrew or at least Aramaic, which Aramaic would be very close to shalom in that word. He would have said, peace, shalom, I leave you. Shalmat shalom, I give you. Now, of course, shalom is one of these words that has multifaceted ways you can look at it and use it. 
but it's one of those unique words that whenever you use it, it really means all of them at the same time. So even though you can kind of specifically use it in a certain instance and it has a meaning, it's one of these meanings that like every meaning is always represented in the word because the word primarily means this completeness, wholeness. And so when Jesus says, peace, I leave to you, the idea there is I leave you everything you need. You are complete. And then just to go a little further, he goes, my peace, my shalom, my completeness, I give to you. Now that doesn't preach, I don't know what does, right, in our modern age, because of course you and I grew up in a world where everything is advertising to us and telling us, you need this to be happy, you need this, you need this, you need this. And Jesus, on the other hand, is saying, no, 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 I'm giving you completeness, wholeness, and in fact, when you look at shalom and how it's used, of course, it's no war. Of course, it's all things are being met and all your needs are met. It's good health. It's prosperity. It's safety. It's security. It's inner contentment. But the other way it's also used is rightness with God. In fact, one of the big values of that is you live in shalom. In the Hebrew people, you lived in shalom when you could live into the covenant and experience God's blessing. It was completeness. It's so interesting when you look about these verses because you remember the great story, right? When Jesus was born, there were some shepherds out in the fields, right? And the angels came and met with them, told them a few things, and as they're about to leave, you remember what happens. Not only was there one angel, but all of a sudden, a great many angels appeared, right? And a great company of heaven, the host appeared with an angel praising God and saying, and remember what they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. You know, the great story of Jesus Christ is peace, but it's much more than just maybe we see in Hollywood of sitting there going, mm, right? It's much more even than just no war. It's much more than just your kids getting along or, you know, the drums not banging around in your room when you're trying to just get some sleep. It means all those things, yes. But peace also means the rightness with God. And the rightness, just like that word shalom means, just like that word irene means, it means completeness. And it means bringing together all the essential things. Peace. Peace I leave you. Peace I give to you. When you think of Jesus Christ and his words, peace I leave you and peace I give to you, my peace I give to you, it's so kind of critical because in that moment, it's easy to forget that in a few more verses and a few more chapters, Jesus gets crucified, right? Which, if there's ever been not a peaceful moment in life, I think being crucified is probably on the list of not being peaceful moments, right? And yet Jesus is promising his followers something even beyond what crucifixion, crucifixion can take. There's a, uh, as I mentioned before, there's all sorts of Greek, they, you know, they're basically dictionaries, but we call them lexicons, if you will. Slightly different idea, but same idea. But there's one called Thayer's. And uh, Thayer's, when he was writing it, he wrote the definition out of what he sees the word Irene used in the Greek, and especially when you use, when Jesus says these words, Irene, I leave to you, Irene, I give to you, in the Greek version. But again, in the original, I would think if you were sitting in the room, 
even though the authors chose to write it down in Greek, probably he was speaking Hebrew in the moment. But he was talking about this word, these words and how they interrelate with each other, and he, they said this is the definition of peace. Just listen to it for a second. Peace for the Christian, that is, is the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and content in its earthly lot, whatsoever lot that is. Let me just read it to you again, right? Right here you go. The tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly lot, whatsoever lot that is. You know, sometimes peace is one of those hard things for all of us to grasp. Of course, I mentioned, you know, having kids in this age and all the funness of that. Peace is like, oh, if I could just get peace sometimes, right? So as your pastor, I'm preaching to myself in this moment, but peace is available freely here today. It's not only the peace of no war. It's not only the peace of getting along. It's not only the peace of having fullness and rightness in your life. It's not only the peace of all that. It's the, also the peace that comes from right relationship with God given to us because of what Christ done. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for your promise that, God, on that night you sat with your disciples in which you were betrayed, in which you were given yourself up for us. And, Lord, we remember that on that night you promised your followers peace. God, we claim that peace here today. And especially as we come to your table, we prepare our hearts and minds to receive you. May you bring peace in these moments. Remind us that we are God's own, that we are bought by your blood, and we are his. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this moment. Use it to instill in us once again the peace you promised. Amen. Churches, before we come to the Lord's table, we're going to be doing the communion of the long form here today. So first, let us join in together the communion liturgy. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us where we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Let us continue. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and in all the company of heaven, we praise your name 
and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. The night in which Christ gave himself up for us, Christ took the bread, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so in these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. By your Spirit, make us one with each other, one with Christ, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in victory and we feast as heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. A few words to say as we prepare. First of all, the communion stewards, you may come forward at this time. First of all, we'll be passing around the plates. And so as you grab plates of the bread or pass around, just take a piece of the bread. If you would hold on to that bread until everybody's been served, we'll then take the communion bread together. We'll then do the same with the juice as well. One final thing to know about this here today is that you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a member of this denomination. If your desire is to meet with Jesus Christ and you don't harbor any hate towards anyone else, you're welcome to take here today because Jesus Christ is with us and offers himself freely to any of those who would receive. <laughs> 